This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, how are you feeling this week? Feeling pretty good, Ryan. Got a little bit of a new audio setup here, and so uh, it may sound better, it may sound worse, we'll see. Give us your feedback. In, are there comments? Can you make no, a comment? No, not really comments. It's not a comment it's not like a Not like a YouTube video. Oh, man. Um, I wish you could slam that smash button. When you, or <laughs> slam the, <laughs> you could smash that like button and slam um, that subscribe you button. Can, you, can su- you can subscribe. You can, okay. uh, you can leave a review. Oh, uh, in, five star. You can only leave a five star review, though. Yeah, I don't think that you're allowed to leave a four star review. No, Jesus <laughs> won't allow it. <laughs> um, but when you when you said give us your feedback, I thought because I was thinking audio, I thought you meant like audio feedback, like like when the microphone, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was just funny, the little little play on words there, mm. feedback. Uh, but Brett, I've got a I've got a question for you this week, the and, surprise and, opener, and you may think it's too early for this question. Oh, but I'm gonna try to kind of unite two things. Okay. Uh, one, so this week's sermon was about marriage, marriage, and so. <laughs> I did not, I, I should have put a bet on how long it, it would take us to get into this podcast before, before the, the Princess Bride marriage reference <laughs> came about. I'm surprised it didn't happen in the sermon, actually. Uh, but So I'm going to unite marriage, but also it's Christmas time. It's the Christmas season. It's Christmas time. <laughs> so I'm going to, my icebreaker question unite, unites both of these things. And I want to know, do you remember the first your first Christmas with your wife, Kate, you have mm. to be married, but mm. the first Christmas y'all had together, I don't know if you were dating or not. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what she got you? Bro, you going to put me on the spot. Like, it's a good thing. I don't think she listens to this podcast because <laughs> I don't think I have any. Really? Earthly... I mean, it's an easier question for me because it was only like two years ago. Yeah. Uh, but I was curious if you, if you remembered. Well. What's the most meaningful Christmas gift your wife has ever gotten you? Oh, man. Well, here, here's what I'll say. Uh, my wife is really good at getting things uh, for, for a lot of people, for most people, but things that I, I wouldn't have necessarily asked for Yeah, yeah. But you, or, or knew I wanted. But mm-hmm. when she gets it, it's like, oh, my gosh. This is I a game that. changer. That's yeah. great. I never even thought about that. I didn't know that was a thing. So she's a very thoughtful gift giver. Mm-hmm. So I will give her that. Um uh, man, I don't know if there is one thing. I'd have to think a little more about it. Now, remember, we can edit this. So you, oh. can, you can just spin your wheels here for a little <laughs> bit. And I can make it look like you you knew right off the bat. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the one that comes to mind is she got me a Star Wars record player. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she's got, I mean, she got me a little a little stamp one time that was like, I could stamp my books. Mm-hmm. It was like from the library of Brent Wilson. That was mm-hmm. pretty cool. So she, she, she's just good at getting little thoughtful things like that. Yeah. Uh, me and Darcy's first Christmas together, we weren't married. We were about to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't know that. I did. <laughs> but she got me, this is so nerdy saying this, but she got me two two books they were both commentaries, <laughs> one, on, one on the book of Isaiah, one on the book of Proverbs, but they were both written by Ray Ortland. And she knew I loved Ray Ortland and, uh, and she bought me. And, and then I love Bible commentaries. <laughs> and so she got me commentaries uh, among other things, but I remember the commentaries. So, and so, so this is funny. Um, uh, I do remember the first present her parents got me for Christmas. Oh, what is it? Uh, because I cried. Oh, 
when I got it. A uh, good cry. Oh yeah, like yeah. A, like a, like a I can't believe you. Got I can't me believe this. you got me this. And it's pretty yeah. nerdy too. They got me the Bible software logos. And you cried. Yeah, dude. Well, it's very expensive. I know it's expensive. And I and like I'm I'm like new to this family. You know, I'm yeah, here yeah. or whatever, and I open it, and it's like this lo- this thing, and I'm like. It just caught me really off guard. Well, also very thoughtful about Kate's family. This is like the Kate's family podcast all of a sudden. <laughs> but uh, I spent Christmas, spent Christmas with you guys. And uh, specifically before I was married, mm-hmm. I would come over for Christmas with yeah. y'all. And I, um, I, I just, I didn't expect, I was just there. I didn't expect... I didn't expect y'all to give me presents, let alone Kate's family to get me presents. But they got me a Star Wars blanket one time, oh, yeah, yeah, one yeah. year, and I thought that was so sweet. Yeah, that they thought to just give me something. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, it's it's the holiday season, so get ready uh, to to answer some Christmas questions. Well, I've got one more go Christmas fun oh. fun fact. I, this I do remember this about our first Christmas together. Okay, so uh, I don't think it was. I don't remember if it was. It might have been Christmas Eve. Uh, we're in our apartment. We have our first little baby Christmas tree up and um, we're sitting there in the living room by the Christmas tree and Kate starts crying and I'm like, what's wrong? And she's just like, I love Christmas. (laughs) And she's like, it's so beautiful. It's so great. And she was just like, just moved overwhelmed our first Christmas and the Christmas tree. And it was like, Oh, Um, I love Christmas. That's that's so funny. Um, now, did you get married on on June twenty fifth for, for, for that because it was no. six months before Christmas? No, <laughs> I've just heard people. I've heard Kate say that before, and so I was curious. Um, all right, well, talking about marriage and our marriages, let's uh, let's talk about thirty verses of First Corinthians Gosh. seven. So much, uh, so much to cover, and uh, you really hit the highlights, uh, really about the text, which is a kind of, you know, the jumping off point was last week Mm -hmm. uh, talking about, you know, purity and uh, sexuality. And then he moves into this week and talks about marriage and divorce and remarriage and singleness and and all of those (laughs) things. And so uh, I, someone I'm, I'm preaching next week and someone asked me if I was going to talk about marriage and I said, no, no, thank goodness. Paul finally changes subject (laughs) when we get to chapter eight. So it won't be a, won't be a conversation about the body or about sexuality or about marriage next week. Uh, Paul is changing the focus of the letter uh, next week. And so, but let's talk about, let's talk about marriage. Let's dive in. Anything you uh, particularly want to talk about before we really kind of go through point by point uh, your sermon? Um, You know, I came into this sermon uh, feeling two things. One, there's a lot of verses and a lot to cover. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to break this up into multiple weeks and just beat this horse to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a lot going on there. Uh, but the second thing was uh, just, you know, I shared the story at the beginning about my mom and her divorce and, mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of like, we've all been affected by it on some mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. whether if, if our parents weren't, you know, we have a friend whose parents were, Yeah, yeah. We, we've seen and felt on some, on different levels, the, um, the weight of that. And so I really wanted to come into the sermon helping pe- those people in our church that are divorced not immediately get tense mm-hmm. and go, oh man, I'm getting ready to get bashed upside the head about mm-hmm. this and feel guilty and shame. I think they, they feel that enough themselves, whether whether they had an unbiblical divorce or, or biblical divorce, whether it was their fault or not their fault, still they, they feel shame about it. And so mm-hmm. one of my big goals in the sermon was to 
to alleviate them of that. And like, hey, Jesus has paid for this. Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, so, so don't be don't be worried about it. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's excellent. And I think you know this this has probably been a a club, you know, a a, a text that's been used as a club on a lot of people. Oh, sure. Uh, to punish and to to elicit shame and guilt. And so I thought I thought you were really helpful and. Uh, helping people who are married and, but also, um, you know, it, just outlining the the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of, of God yeah. uh, to those of us, uh, to those of the, I said us, like I was included yeah. to those in the congregation yeah. uh, who have been divorced. Uh, so let's first, let's, you know, you started out like kind of giving a definition and an explanation for why marriage is so important. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, what, give us some thoughts on just marriage as, a, as yeah. a whole. You know, one thing I didn't really talk about, but it's an important point to make, I think, just for people to understand theologically marriage, is that marriage isn't given to Christians. Mm-hmm. It's given to humanity. Yeah. Right? Um, and so we're, we're okay with unbelievers getting married to one another. Where mm-hmm. We think God wants That's them to good. do that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And that and even if they don't recognize it, that that marriage is still a covenant before God. Yeah. Um, and so that's the other thing is that it's given to humanity, but it is always, whether it's two believers, two unbelievers, or a believer and an unbeliever, it's always a covenant before God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, it, it, it is important. It's binding. Um, co- a covenant is, is bigger and stronger and more meaningful than a contract even. Um, and so. Uh, it's just a big deal because of that, uh, mm-hmm. and also it's a big deal because of what it pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it from the very beginning, God said, "Hey, I'm going to put a put a sign, put a uh, a billboard of what type of relationship I want with humanity, and I want everyone to see it so close up that they'll experience it mm-hmm. in this thing I'm going to invent called marriage." And so it's the first, like, it's like the one of the very first things he does after he creates the world, and so. Uh, it is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of, of how God loves us and how he wants to relate to us. It's fascinating in the Old Testament how often uh, God, God uses some analogy uh, to show Israel or his people as uh, his bride and him as the bridegroom. And, and, and usually it's in the negative. It's usually it's uh, you have uh, uh, hoard yourself to these foreign mm-hmm. gods. You mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, done this and Ezekiel like the first half of Ezekiel there's this long thing about it um Hosea like it's all mm-hmm. over the place uh and so it's like God want God is relating to us that way uh and so often we are relating to him as the one who's been unfaithful mm-hmm. for sure the 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 thing I have kind of thought about I haven't I've thought about recently uh is you know you talk about it being one of the first thing first things that that God institutes it's like it marriage really is the building block of society, right? The oh, first, yeah. the first way that humans relate to each other is not in a government. It's not in a friendship. It's not in a political structure, right? It's in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's one reason m- marriage is so important, right? For, we think not just for Christians, but for, for all of, of society's flourishing and all of humanity's flourishing. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I think we want to protect, we seek to protect it and uh, honor it and, mm-hmm. and be really thoughtful about it is because this is not just 
two people having warm fuzzies about each other deciding to live the rest of their life together mm-hmm. is that it is a foundational building block piece of what it means to be human. It's like God has woven into the fabric of the universe this family structure. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's important. You know, I, I saw this comedian the other day uh, talk about, it's like, imagine if, if marriage didn't exist. You know, what would it look like? It's like you go to, you've been hanging out with this girl for a while. You're like, hey, it's been fun. You've know, been hanging out for a few months and I really like hanging out with you. Pretty fun, pretty cool. Uh, uh, do you want to do this for the rest of your life and never do it again with anyone else? <laughs> and then we'll put rings in our fingers and commit. You know, it's like yeah. weird. It's like, uh, I don't know. It, it is it is foundational and um, it, it's interesting. We talk about it being for humanity, how... Why is it that unbelievers would even care to get married? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, well, it's and, not really the point of the sermon. It's just an interesting thing well, to think about. And I was just thinking of, about that from an apologetic standpoint. It's like, why does every culture on earth recognize some sort of lifelong union yeah. between between two between a man, a man and, and a woman? woman most for the for I mean, probably for the majority of human history. Yeah. It's like, why do they all do that? <laughs> and I think it's, huh. I think it's because it's you know woven into our, our very being, mm-hmm. and so it's it's covenantal. It's a picture of the gospel, right? And not only in the Old Testament, right? We see that in the New Testament, right? Christ, oh, yeah. Christ refer or what I read in the call to worship, John the Baptist referring to Jesus as the bridegroom, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then we have the the parable, multiple of the parables talk about mm-hmm. going to a wedding feast yeah. and. And you have the the wedding feast, and Jesus the, refers to himself as the bridegroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, it's all over, not just the Old Testament, mm-hmm. but the, the teaching of Jesus and the writings of the New Testament as well. Is that God's people are seen as a bride and mm-hmm. Christ as the bridegroom, mm-hmm. who's who's going to to unite with the the bride and and cr- create this new kind of people, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think it's it's really important to this to this uh, sermon because what we, what we aren't saying is just like, it's not just empty morality, right? It's not just saying like, uh, it's gotta be this way. It's gotta be because God says it is. It's gotta be this way because the Bible says so. I like that term empty morality. Did you just coin that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sure. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's it's not just, you know, it's not just like do it this way because it says so Mm -hmm. there's reasoning for, for why marriage is important. Mm -hmm. And it's not just because, the Bible told me so, it's like, but it did. Yeah. And it, but it also told you why it's important. Yeah, yeah. So, so now that, 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 that foundation is set, we can talk about, you know, marriage and divorce and, and why mm-hmm. it's unacceptable in certain circumstances, acceptable in other circumstances. And mm-hmm. so let, let's first, why is God against divorce? Why is it such a big deal? Why, why is why is God really clear about yeah, Jesus? Yeah. Really clear about the teachings of divorce? Yeah, yeah, and it, it and it's not empty morality. Mm-hmm. It is because divorce communicates something that's untrue about the heart of God. Uh, that when we break our covenants with one another, as marriage is a picture of the gospel, it is saying that God breaks His covenant with us, and and He doesn't, right? Um, yeah, He is. He is long suffering. He is always faithful. He is with us till death do us part. And so um, it communicates something untrue about Jesus. Yep. So he doesn't like it because of that. <laughs> yeah. And so then that that kind of takes us to the the story that you were quoting. And, and I guess I would also say this real quick. Mm-hmm. I would say, as we talk about being woven into the fabric of creation, it's like he also knows 
that it destroys us. Like it hurts us. Even when done for these concessional reasons, uh, it, it, it brings carnage in our life. It brings shame. It brings suffering. It brings dysfunction. It brings disunity, disharmony between people. Yeah. Um, and so it creates all this fallout. Mm-hmm. So. And, and I think, uh, again, thinking about it as a covenant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you, you look back at, uh, you know, the, the first kind of picture of, I mean, we have a Noahic covenant, but the first kind of picture of a covenant as we understand it is with Abraham mm-hmm. and, you know, they cut the the animals up yeah. and like, they're supposed to walk in between them yep. as, as a, as a symbol of saying like, essentially like, this is what happens if I break the covenant. Yeah, yeah. It's like the splitting of an animal right, right from itself. Mm-hmm. And God walks through by himself Mm -hmm. because obviously Abraham can't keep the covenant and it's not going to have to pay the price. But, and so that's what divorce, it's like, imagine if instead of, instead of a flower girl, we had people just like our, our cute little grandbabies or nieces, right? Walk down the aisle and just put like, like carcasses (laughs) down the, to symbolize like you two are becoming one flesh. Mm. And if you do not honor that, this is what your life. Oh yeah, this is the picture well, it, of your it, life. And, and in some ways, split. That, yeah, that's what Paul's saying, right? It's like because marriage is one flesh, divorce yeah. is the ripping mm-hmm. of two souls that have been mingled apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you and you talked about that. It was like cutting off your yeah your your arm, or <laughs> you talked about the dad joke, which is the the perfect dad joke. <laughs> uh, so then, so th- that kind of gets us to Matthew 19, where you have these people coming up to Jesus, and they're like, yeah. oh, we're going to, yeah. I love I love it when people do this, right? They, they come up to Jesus. Like, what do you th- <laughs> you're not going to win. Like, it's like, it's like uh, do you ever think it's the same people that are like, man, he got us on the taxes thing, but you think we can get him on the marriage thing? <laughs> or do you think like the other, like they're like they're embarrassed and so they're like, nah, bro, it ain't gonna work, but you can try. But so these these people, these yeah. Pharisees or Sadducees, I can't remember who it is, they come up and they ask Jesus this question, uh, and it, this is about like, well, if someone gets married and their spouse dies and they marry again. Yeah, and when like, they're asking, they're they're asking Jesus like if he's for divorce because they're saying, "Hey, Moses gave us a certificate of divorce." Yeah, that's what uh, it is. That's what it uh, is. You know, are, basically, are you cool with that? And um, the there were two schools of thought, two camps. The more conservative camp uh, said that this passage from Deuteronomy twenty four one, which says that if I, if a man takes a wife and marries her, if he finds some indecency in her, then he could divorce her. Right. And so the conservative camp interpreted indecency as adultery mm-hmm. and the more progressive camp, which was the, pro, the the majority thought of the day thought indecency meant uh, anything that you really wanted it to, you know, she's got a decent morning breath. She doesn't it, it actually, in one of those uh, Nathan talked about last week, one of those like kind of Jewish cultural, books, the Talmud, the Talmud, they talk about uh, a woman who burns the bread. Like if she, when she cooks oh bread, when she burns it right? and decent cooker. Uh, that you could divorce her for those reasons. And so they want to trap Jesus by aligning him with that more conservative group that mm-hmm. means adultery and therefore causing him to lose public opinion uh, because everybody else was on the other side. Uh, but Jesus uh, doesn't back down. He says, yes, you're right. Moses gave you this uh, concession, this law, this certificate of divorce <laughs> because, because of-, <laughs> of your hardness of heart. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, this is a concession, not a command. And it's because you suck. Yeah. Because you're a sinner, you're broken. Yeah. It's because um, God knew you'd never get it right. Yeah. You know, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so what Jesus is really affirming there 
is marriage should be for life. I am for marriage, the mm-hmm. covenant marriage being forever, mm-hmm. uh, or being for life. And um, the only reason it shouldn't be is because of your sin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If if God had it His way, it always like this. Yeah. yeah, this this would never happen. It's right. like, but because because of your failure, mm-hmm. because of your hardness of heart, He's given you mm-hmm. this. And there He gives the out. He says, "Yes, you can get out for the for the case of adultery." Yeah, which is reiter- which is a reiteration of what He teaches in in Matthew five. Yeah. on the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. So, um, I th- I always just think it's interesting. That's like there's so many things Jesus does not teach about, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that we have to kind of infer from other scriptures. We have to mm-hmm. kind of infer from other writings, like, but not this. Yeah. He's very clear on this. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's really, I think that's really, that should, that should tell us something about how seriously mm-hmm. like this is taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so let, let's talk about the concessions then. If it's not burning the bread, <laughs> it's not the morning breath. What, what is it? Uh, there's two clear ones mm-hmm. uh, and maybe a third. Yep. So it's adultery. And, and then what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 7, and he's picking up that conversation. We know he's picking up that conversation because when he says, um, you know, earlier in the chapter, the Lord says, the Lord says da, 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 da. And yep. then not the Lord, I say, by Lord, he means Jesus. That, like mm-hmm. literally, he's literally quoting Jesus. And so we, we know he's talking about this passage. And so adultery is one concession. Um, so, uh, and, and, by, and by this, you don't have to get out of the marriage. Yeah, very important point. Yeah, you just... It's, t- you, it would, it's never sin to stay in a marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you are uh, permitted. Yeah. You're not bound. Yeah. Um, uh, the other is uh, what Paul is taking the logic, which I would say the logic is uh, the covenant is broken. Mm-hmm. Someone else is breaking the covenant. So if someone else breaks the covenant, then I don't have to stay in the covenant because you broke it. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is saying, well, another way you can break that covenant is if you're married to an unbeliever and that unbeliever abandons you. Mm-hmm. They just mo- say, I don't want to be married to you anymore. You're out of here. I'm divorcing you. You're gone. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you're free. You can you can, yeah. you can go marry someone else. Um, and so then the question becomes, and a lot of people say this, but so it's trying to follow Paul's logic. It's like, if the other person breaks your covenant, Mm-hmm. then you're not bound anymore. And so mm-hmm. the question is, is abuse or all kinds of levels in that, right? Mm-hmm. So this is why I wanted to be really clear to say, you need to think through this in the context of some counsel, not just your buddies, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but pastoral counsel and wisdom. Um, uh, but potentially abuse, would they're breaking the covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore you could maybe get out of that as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think particularly, I, I don't want to, put words in your mouth. But when you say abuse, you mean physical abuse, correct? Yes. Like or, physical, or, physical or sexual abuse. Yeah. 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 I guess sexual um, abuse is physical too. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it would, it would fall under the term, but just not, uh, not, not verbal, verbal or emotional. Right. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, I mean, pretty subjective. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. It's yeah. like, um, but, but I think, I think a lot of times what can be claimed as, as, uh, emotional abuse may just be disagreement or conflict yeah. or mm-hmm. which what's well, like, I'm not saying like the, the person who's being t- talked of as an abuser yeah. is not wrong. Right. Yeah. It's like they could certainly be wrong and not handling their emotions well and not mm-hmm. speaking well, just doesn't mean it's abuse. Right. 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 And so just want to be, yeah. But if you're in a marriage and someone is physically hurting you, you yeah. should immediately get away, get out. Yeah. Find safety. Tell someone in your church. Tell somebody in church. Yeah. And then uh, uh, begin that process of yeah. uh, fixing that, healing that, 
getting him help or mm-hmm. her help. Well, um, and another thing I think this this works kind of in tandem with is like so. Say you're you're uh, you're in a situation where your spouse is is physically abusing you, and you tell someone at your church. Well, then uh, church discipline immediately goes into effect can go into yeah it can go into effect and so while this person may be maintaining their their claim of of following jesus Mm -hmm. if they don't repent of beating their spouse eventually their church excommunicates will 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 say we cannot confirm Mm-hmm. You're a believer. Mm-hmm. And then this spouse can start relating to them on a different level as Paul outlines here. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this, this has to work, I think really closely yeah, yeah. with church discipline and, and church wisdom and, and communal mm-hmm. uh, living. Right. And so uh, this is not something that can just be solved with. And then it's almost like between the spouses. Yeah. Then it's almost like you've gone through church discipline. We, we've said, we think this person's an unbeliever. Well, then it's almost like, we think they've abandoned you via abuse. Yeah. They're not caring for you. Yeah. Therefore, uh, you're not bound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so, the, I think that's the tracing yeah. the logic there. Yeah. But a lot of times what people do is they wait till this has gone on too long and then they come and they want help and they want to uh, immediate, just like affirm you and let's get out. It's like, mm-hmm. it's all a longer process. Mm-hmm. And so like, you need to let somebody in on it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just, a, a, there's so many like caveats and, 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 nuance and stuff to be had in these conversations. It's like, but you, you don't have to spend every night in the house with the person you're married to. If that person's beating you leave, but that also doesn't mean you have to divorce them. If you're not staying in the same house, right? right? There can be time apart. So just a lot of that. And that's why you need to take this to people. You need to take this mm-hmm. to people in, in, in your church and your pastors and whoever, because there's a lot of, a lot of factors that can change the response. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I think, Overcorrection or undercorrection is typically how we see these situations play yeah. out, especially when they get really bad. Yeah, and so uh, it, again, it just like sees how the scriptures are freeing to us, mm-hmm. not not restraining. Right. right? It's like the scriptures are trying to care for the spouse mm-hmm. that is the victim. Yeah, not not just say, oh, you got to stay in there and get get hit. Right. You know, it's not like I think sure. I think taking the whole of scripture would would suggest that that. A, a lot of necessary steps can be taken to protect mm-hmm. people and to to uh, see that the covenant has been has been, been breached. So, yeah. uh, so then uh, you know we wanted to point out, and you wanted to point out, it's like this is always a final option. Yes, yeah, it's like you should fight for the marriage as long as possible. I use this amputation imagery of it's like you know, <laughs> if you go to the doctor because you have a hangnail. And he's like, oh, let's just amputate it. Let's just cut it off. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, no, maybe let's try some other things first. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, and any doctor who was quickly amputating limbs for minor <laughs> infractions is going to get fired and thrown in jail. Yeah. We don't do that. Um, that's the dad joke you're referring to. It's like every time my kid comes and they got a boob, we're like, oh, let's cut it off. Give mm-hmm. me the scissors. Mm-hmm. No, daddy, no. <laughs> um, but it's like uh, divorce should feel the same magnitude of severity uh and and tragedy of having to remove a mm-hmm. limb because we've tried everything else and the only hope is to cut this thing off yeah and it's like and and you know even if it get you know things just in the amp- amputation you know illustration is you know even if it gets really really bad something gets really really bad right you, what you're probably saying to the and they're saying like well we might need to 
to amputate. It's like the question you want to ask is, have are we sure we've tried everything? everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is there any way yeah. we can save? Is there some experimental thing out my, there I can my try? My hand, right? Is yeah. there any way? It's like no one's just gonna be like, all right, doc, <laughs> cut it off. We we might have to do it, so let's just go for it, right? And so it's like you're always gonna be from the the smallest infraction mm-hmm. to the worst possible thing that could be wrong with your your bones or your tendons. And, and, what, your, and what do you always feel as someone who's never lost a limb? I can imagine what I would feel is that you lose a part of yourself. Well, yeah, I was going to, I was going to say this earlier and I was going to, I decided to save it for this part, but it's like, you know, people, people, you know, there's these studies about like the phantom pain, the the phantom itch Mm -hmm. is that like when you have had a body part amputated is that it's like, sometimes you can still feel, it feels like it's there. Yeah. An itch on your hand. That's Mm -hmm. not there Mm -hmm. or a a pain or an ache in your hand. that's not there. Yeah. And so I, I think, it, it is like you've lost a part of yourself and mm-hmm. you can always remember what it was like when you had it. Right. And now you have to, to adjust and, and change the way you live without yeah. it. I think that's an apt illustration for a divorce. It's like you've lost part of yourself. Mm-hmm. The spouse was a part of you. Mm-hmm. So. And there's, there's no way to, to undo it. Right. It's like, it's always Unless you get remarried. Well, but it's always going to, even if you're remarried, right. No, I mean back to the same person. Oh yeah. It'd be like putting your, putting your arm back on like Luke Skywalker robot hand or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. For sure. Which I I wanted to share this story and I I just didn't get permission. I don't think they would care, but there is a couple in our church who has been divorced and then they got remarried to each other. Oh yeah. That's amazing. So it's awesome. Yeah. That's, and, and Paul talks about that, right? He, he sets that up as like the ideal, uh, kind of situation. I'm trying to remember where it was. I'm in Matthew. I got to go to the other place. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember where it was. I, I'll, I'll look for it later, but, but he talks about that. It's like, unless it is to return to your, oh, your yeah. husband. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, like, like that's, that's good. Like that's, that's an option. Like, I think some people maybe don't mm-hmm. like think about that as an option, but it is. Yeah. Uh, so, well, so then the, the, the text kind of changes focus a little bit. It still t- is talking about marriage, but it's more about the implications of you as a married person or an unmarried person. And then it even kind of throws in like, are you a bond servant? Are you not a servant? And yeah. all these things. And so let's, let's talk about that, like kind of the latter half a little bit. And, and yeah, uh, pa- Paul didn't write this chapter as an easy way to preach it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of jumbled. Um, but yeah, it's like, basically here's all these categories for life, single marriage, uh, you know, married to an unbeliever, um, single and wants to be married, single and is content not to be married. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You're a slave, uh, all these different things. And, and his big idea here is, Hey, wherever you're at, God has placed you there. You know, mm-hmm. whether that's forever or for this season, um, God has placed you there. So, so be content and, and live out where you're at for God, like live for God in this place, in this relationship status that you have. Yeah. And so if you're single and so he gives some kind of examples, like if you're single, you have more time. You're not mm-hmm. worried and concerned about your spouse because you don't have one. You, uh, uh, you have all this free time da, da, da. And so go serve the Lord. Like he's like, this is me and I got more time and I'm not worried about anything. So, uh, I got all the time to do it. So singles being great. 
And then he's like, hey, if you're married, he's almost, he even says kind of like, kind of live like you're not because the time is short. Yeah, it's such a fascinating verse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I think the idea is like, hey, if you're married, you're going to be concerned about your spouse. You got to be concerned about your spouse. Mm-hmm. You got to care for them, love them, serve them, all these things. Um, but also y'all together need to be serving the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and then if you're married to an unbeliever, uh, I think it's really helpful. It's like really practical. It's like you're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And um, you are a gospel witness to your spouse and to your children. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even uses that language, right? That, uh, that they're made holy, mm-hmm. because which isn't that they're saved, but rather that they're set apart yeah. for this special time of being around the gospel, being around someone who's mm-hmm. going to tell the gospel to them. And, so. and and just like I think to be to be clear on the the married to married to an unbeliever thing, this is something you try to avoid at the outset, right? Yeah. It's not. It's Paul is not saying like you're free to marry anyone. And so if you're married to a believer, great. But if you're married to an unbeliever, like do this, yeah. uh, like it's not, a, it's not saying, so this is, this is not giving you carte blanche to go marry anyone. No, he's talking want. to people who are not believers. Cause think about it. Christianity is brand new, right? This is such a fascinating point. It's like right. n- there's what we think of when we think of people as being married to an unbeliever is that either it came out later that the person was an unbeliever, like not really a believer, or that the or that the the person that was a believer was just being unwise in choosing who they married. Yeah. <laughs> but but in this context, it was usually people who were both married that were not believers, and then one of them converted yeah, they're, to Christianity. They're, they're pagans living in Roman yeah. this Roman city of Corinth. Yeah. And then this dude named Paul comes along preaching the gospel, and one of them gets saved, probably the wife. Yeah, right? because if the husband st- got saved, statistically, yeah, yeah, if the husband got saved, the wife's probably following in this time period. Yeah, yeah, and so probably the wife believes, and the husband's mm-hmm. not not digging mm-hmm. it, not dealing it, doing that. And so Paul's advice is, no, you should stay together mm-hmm. um, because you're in a covenant, mm-hmm. uh, but but you God has placed you there so that you could maybe save your husband, yeah, um, and your children, and so mm-hmm. don't abandon that. Mm-hmm. I pray that God saves them. And so, uh, but you're right. Uh, Paul would say, along with Jesus, uh, what does light have with darkness? Don't be unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't marry an unbeliever. Yeah. Um, now, if you're married to an unbeliever, this, well, even if you did it unwisely mm-hmm. and wrongly, this passage applies to you. Mm-hmm. Be faithful. Be mm-hmm. a gospel witness. Uh, but if you're single, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. And be really, don't just marry someone that says they're a Christian. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I really think, I, I, I think I gave this advice at some point, but like if you are single and you want to be married, the number one question to ask on the first date. Oh, I'm it, glad you said it, this. It is, tell me about your, where you go to church. Tell me about your, like we're figuring out that you're a Christian. And if you're not, then the date's over. And if, if you're a teenager listening and you come and tell me that you've been dating someone, you better believe the first question I'm asking you is, oh, that's great. Where do they go to church? Yeah. And it, cause it always is. And, it, and if they say, oh, they're not going anywhere right now, but they're a Christian red flag. Yep. Big red flag. Um, probably break up with them, but not necessarily, <laughs> but just probably. Probably. <laughs> there's yeah. too many, there's too many good committed Christian men who are single for, for these Christian girls to be running around dating, uh, men that, that aren't mm-hmm. it's no, like for sure. Why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh Yeah. Um, 
And, and, and I would say like, okay, once you determine, oh, they're a Christian, then the question is, can we serve God better together than apart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the story I was going to tell. So okay. I'm, in, I'm, in this, uh, I'm in this pastoral ministry class with a guy who is uh, a senior pastor down in Kentucky named Herschel York. And he was telling a story about, about uh, how he and his wife got married. He said on their first date, he, he, he'd felt the call to ministry. He knew he was going to be a pastor. And he said, I'm, I'm going into ministry. And I'm, I don't know if that's going to take me to Brazil, where my parents were missionaries. I don't know if I'm going to be a pastor in the U.S. or an academic teaching at a seminary. He goes, but I'm going to serve the Lord wherever he calls me. Is that okay with you? And, can, and would you be willing to come? This is their first date. <laughs> we're going to get this out of the way. And he says, he says are, you, are, you, are you willing to come with me wherever the Lord takes me? And she said, I would be. He said, this is how he tells the story. So he said, she said that. And he goes, 14 days later, we bought the rings. <laughs> and we were married shortly after that. <laughs> he's like, he's like, that's all he ne- really all. That's all the information he needed to know. <laughs> it's like, here's a, here's a, a beautiful godly woman who I, I like, who I'm attracted to. And I asked her, are you willing to go with me where the Lord takes me? And she said, yes, done deal. No, no. <laughs> what else do I need? <laughs> no other things to discuss. We're getting engaged in 14 days. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Right. And they, they've been married for like 50 years. Yeah. So anyway, that's an amazing story just to show you how, it's like, we, we like to talk about dating. We like to talk about, it's like, is this the one for me? Is this whatever? Do we, mm-hmm. do we, do we jive? Do we, do we, you know, what, do we vibe? That's what the kids say now. It's like, do we vibe? Uh, and, and it's like, doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if we can both be content and serve the Lord and be faithful See, to the if Lord. If you're both mature Christians, you'll figure it out. Yep. If one of you is not a mature, mature Christian. Mature Christians connected to a local church. Yeah. 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 Uh, which is sometimes assumed with mature Christian, but mm. it's like, you're just not going to do it just you two together, right? You're not going to figure yeah. it out. So uh, let's lastly, you just kind of wanted to give some, some kind of practical note, practical advice for, for married people. And so let's just go through those. If you want to expand on, on any of those. And I actually just referenced the first one, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. the one finding the one doesn't exist. We talked about not this. On the, we talked about this on the podcast last week. We did. Yeah. Okay. It's just like, it's just not a reality. Not real made up. Fake. Yeah. Fake news. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no, the one yeah, out there. You always marry the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a fascinating point. Um, you both do. Yeah. You both do. Or, or you could say it this way. Whoever you marry is the one. Yeah. You like, found, you found them. Congrats. You, you married them. You did it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think that's, that's really good just because no one's perfect. You're not going to mesh jive vibe with anyone perfectly. Mm-hmm. No one's going to not be a sinner. Right. And so that's why it's important to every know. potential person you would marry, you would have different problems with. Yeah. Yeah. Different discontentment. And, and the, and, and, and here's the thing is like the goal is not marry the person who you're going to disagree with the least. Yeah. Like that's not the goal. Uh, and so it's like, you actually want someone who you're probably going to disagree with a, a lot of the time because that actually makes you grow and mm-hmm. be more faithful to Jesus and grow in forgiveness and grace and mm-hmm. maturity. And so th- the goal is also not to just go marry someone who you're going to disagree with the most, <laughs> Yeah. but, but it's certainly not, how do I get by with someone who I'm going to have the least amount of conflict with? Mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm looking for somebody who I can serve the Jesus the best with. Yeah. Yeah. You find that person. 
It's going to be good. Get the rings in 14 days. Get them. Get, get married <laughs> shortly after. <laughs> yeah, uh, so reject the myth of the one. Yep. Second, I would say, uh, you know, look to Jesus for strength. And that's particularly about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. The secret to healthy marriages isn't communication. It isn't compromise. It isn't anything. It's forgiveness. Yeah. Like if you are. True un- forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. If you're unwilling or slow or you're difficult, you find it difficult to forgive people who wrong you you're going to have a really, really hard, bad marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're a person who can, who, who knows how crappy you are mm-hmm. and how much forgiveness you need and therefore can look at your spouse and quickly forgive them for their faults, yeah. um, you're going to be a lot happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sure. when you don't forgive, not only is it hurting the person you're not forgiving, it hurts you. Yeah. It sucks the life out of you. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you're going to forgive each other a lot. For sure. So do that. Uh, then I would just say fight for the sake of your kid. If you have kids and you're married and you're mm-hmm. looking at getting divorced, uh, your divorce will communicate to your children that when they annoy God, when they fight with God, when they disappoint God, when they are unfaithful to God, that he leaves them. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you say and how many times you say that that is not true, it, it will be ingrained on their hearts on a fundamental level because mm-hmm. they saw their parents, who are supposed to be a model of the gospel to them, communicate an anti-gospel. Uh, and I've seen it time and time again um, where the kid... Uh, either walks away from the faith or really struggles to know that they mm-hmm. actually are saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also what this doesn't mean is if you don't have kids, well, then it's a little bit easier. Like, no, yeah, yeah, we, should, yeah, yeah. we should, we should, it's like, yeah. This if, is what you call a secondary like, motivation. Like if we, ha- if we had kids, then yeah, we should probably not, but because we don't, it's going to be easier on the both of us. So let's just do it. Yeah. Um. So that, that's, that's all I would, would add is like the, the, the sin mm-hmm. might have greater circumstances if you do have kids, mm-hmm. but it's still sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you don't, no, no. Uh, so I learned this from Matt Chandler a long time ago. Uh, that you have got the primary motivation, like mm-hmm. don't do this thing because God said it. For, yep. for whatever the main it's thing sin. is, right? And then it's like there's secondary motivation. He used the example of, you know, why am I not going to cheat on my wife? Well, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. One because it's sin. I love her. I want to all those things. But secondarily, because I'll lose my job. <laughs> yeah. Second, not the main reason you should do it, but if the first motivation fails, you got a backup. One. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's really helpful. Uh, and then uh, lastly, get outside help. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We've talked about that. Yeah. Throughout the whole episode. It's like, you just can't do it alone. No, 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 no. And uh, it's funny. I, I talked about this couple in our church who had these marital problems and uh, he actually mm-hmm. texted me right after the sermon. He's like, how you going to, how you going to spill all my tea like that, man? Uh, <laughs> and he, just in jest. And he was like, you know, you, you feel free to talk about that anytime you want. But, but truly went from it's over to within three weeks, things were significantly improved and now are going great and, and doing yeah, well. Yeah. And so it's like, all they needed was a little bit of outside help mm-hmm. because you get in the echo chamber of your own head and you, mm-hmm. you guys can't work or, past things yeah, or together. Your, your friends, right. Oh, yeah. They're just going to agree with you mm-hmm. or yeah. And so just, just get, and it doesn't have to be professional help. Sometimes no. it's, it's like a D like a D group, D group leader, right? a pastor, a whatever, Sunday yeah. school teacher, somebody, yeah. a trusted person who yeah. actually cares about their, not just you, but your marriage. Yeah. And has the wisdom to speak into it. Yeah, it's excellent. It's excellent. So of all those, that one's probably the most important, right? It's like, because yeah. you just can't. Like, you just you just can't, you just can't go it alone. You no. can't do it. Um, there's just It's just too hard. Yep. And it was never designed to just be oh, yeah. just two people. Yeah. You know? So, uh, well, any any final words on the sermon itself before we jump into to two, to two no, questions we got? 
It's question time. Yeah. So uh, we got two questions. Hey, uh, you think we could get like a, a jingle or something that you know during the podcast it comes up? It's would like, you? Would you like? It's to, question time. Would you, would you like to edit the jingle into the podcast? I don't have the jingle, but I'm just saying maybe we get one. I know, but even if we had one, would you like to edit it? Oh, you should do the week? work. No, I want I want you to do the work. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, let, let's just move into question time. <laughs> Doom, doom, doom. It's like that's the NBC thing. I don't think we can use that legally. Um, so you can always submit a question on the church app uh, or in the, the description below uh, of the podcast. There's a link for you to submit a question. Totally anonymous. Someone came up to me the other day and said, I would submit a question if, if it weren't, if it, if it were anonymous. And I said, it is. Oh, really? And uh, I had to get out my phone and prove to them that it was anonymous oh. uh, before they would, would believe me. <laughs> it's like, we're not just trying to gather information on you. Yeah. Uh, it truly is anonymous. We have no idea who submitted these questions. So the only time we do know is sometimes people put their name on it or they just come tell us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by, they put their name on it, they type it in the question. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's no email address associated. With, yeah. There's, I mean, literally nothing. Just click the link, type the question. So, uh, here's, here's the first one. Uh, and I think it's a really good question. A natural question comes from the, the, the sermon. If adultery is concession for divorce and a lustful look, looking at pornography, uh, equates to adultery, like in, like Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Yeah. As committed adultery in your heart. Is porn, is spousal pornography use a, a concession for divorce? Is it a, is it a valid reason mm-hmm. for divorce? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good question. Um, uh, I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll, let's talk about it. So no, I don't think looking at pornography or looking at a woman in lust it, or a man in lust is, is, is it is spiritual adultery. It's not actual adultery. Mm-hmm. And the same way you made this point earlier, uh, that if that were the case, then being angry at somebody means we should throw them in jail because they've committed murder in their heart. Yeah. We obviously don't do that. Um, and so there is a distinction between adultery mm-hmm. and spiritual adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think when the Bible talks about adultery, it means adultery. It means sex. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, sexual acts, not, not even necessarily intercourse, right? Well, you know, it's, it, I think on, 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 at its most pure, what it's saying is yes, intercourse. Like I think it's saying you've become one flesh with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, now I do think, however, we, in our wisdom, we might think, uh, okay, but if it's breaking the covenant, what else might break the covenant? Uh, and other sexual acts probably do, uh, mean adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like, uh, and I think there's maybe this distinction, there might be a difference between, uh, somebody looking at pornographic pictures versus being sent pornographic pictures from an individual they know. Mm-hmm. That's different, mm-hmm. right? Like now that's connected to an actual person who is, you know, has this kind of relationship with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, um, so what I want to say pastorally is it means you have sex with someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's less than that, you know, there's lots of degrees from there. Uh, I just think someone else needs to speak into that. Yeah. Um, obviously, lots of nuance. I think. Uh, obviously church discipline is a step in this. Oh yeah. Right. It's like someone needs to be intervening mm-hmm. on the, the behalf of the spouse who is using pornography. Mm-hmm. Are they repentant of it? Mm-hmm. If not <laughs> confront them with more people, are they repentant of it? If not, <laughs> uh, remove them from yeah. church membership. 
And then you as a spouse get to readjust how you live your relationship with your, mm-hmm. your spouse, your, your significant other. Uh, and so it's like, no longer are you living together as, uh, as co-laborers in the gospel. Mm-hmm. You are now, uh, witnessing, mm-hmm. giving, like preaching the gospel, uh, you know, all of those things. Yeah. And which I think is helpful just as a mindset shift. But I also don't think that, and that, that it would be gra- that would be reasonable grounds for divorce. That would, that would be my, well, and I also say this, like go back to Jesus's time, pre-internet, pre-pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, there has not been a man in a marriage that has existed outside of Jesus wasn't married, but he's the only man who's never lusted in his heart. Right. Right. Like you, a man may not have looked at pornography, but there's no man that is, or probably woman who has ever in the entirety of their marriage ever had one lustful thought Mm -hmm. of someone else. Yeah. Even if it was super brief. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if that was the case, everyone would have grounds for divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so I think, I think it's tricky. I think it definitely needs a lot of help, a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, counsel, a lot of uh, accountability, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't necessarily think the answer is I don't think the biblical response is is to divorce yeah. the, the spouse. Um, so that's really hard. But mm-hmm. I think I think it's I think the Bible. I, it's like part of me is like I don't want that to be true. Yeah, it's like that sucks for you as the person who is not viewing pornography and your spouse mm-hmm. is. Uh, but I th- I just think the Bible would would not see that as 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 reasonable grounds yeah. for divorce. Um, so the second question, kind of along the same lines kind of an expansion on the first question uh, is if there has been adultery in our marriage and my spouse is repentant, am I bound to uh, my spouse or can I divorce them? I want to be forgiving, but the bond of trust has been severed. I just don't know if I can go forward. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. Hard question. Um, I've walked with several people through, through this. Um, uh, and I would say a couple of things. Number one, to answer the direct question, no, you're not bound. Uh, if there's been adultery, the Bible is clear. You're not bound. You can get out of it if you if you so choose. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say, um, I think the Bible would say, if, that, if, if you have one ounce of strength in you to fight for it, yeah, fight with all you can. Yeah. Fight for reconciliation. Uh, and, 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 and which it sounds like, my, like, cause obviously, yeah, like the straight question, yes. If there's been adultery, you can be, you can you can mm-hmm. seek a divorce. However, the question is written like in the past tense, mm-hmm. and there has been the spouse has been repentant. There has it sounds like there has been time mm-hmm. uh, that that the person that has written in the question has lived with this and yeah. remained married, which indicates to me that there is an iota of a chance. Mm-hmm. That you could continue to to mm, to yeah, yeah. to live this way. I don't yeah. want to make that assumption just yeah. off that, but yeah. I think it, I think it, you can recognize like, look, I've done it, and you should celebrate yourself. I've done it. I've remained married for however long since yeah. the confession yeah, yeah, and the yeah. repentance. Yeah, and so you know, I would say it's worth fighting for. I would say, you know, you want to be forgiving. Forgiving isn't something you choose to do one time. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something you keep choosing to do until it doesn't hurt anymore, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and that may take years. Yeah. Um, this doesn't mean you, I mean you can treat them forgiving. them means I'm choosing to forgive you right now. It means I'm not going to hold it against you. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to treat you different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can do that. It's possible. Plenty of people have done it. Yeah. Um, 
And trust can be rebuilt. He says the bond of trust has been severed. Mm -hmm. That's true. It has been. Mm -hmm. But trust can be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also may mean that you have to put strict parameters. Uh, It may mean that you've got to have very strict communication. It means that uh, the offending party needs to really step up the plate and really be overboard Mm -hmm. uh, over the top of of accountability and accountability um, and all those types of things. Uh, And so also I would just say get outside help. Yeah. You know, like. Don't try to walk it alone. Yeah. Get some people to help you. That's the, this is what, when we were discussing this question before the podcast, I said, my answer to this question is, uh, we can't answer it on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you have to have some face-to-face counsel with people you know, people you trust, mm-hmm. which is hard because it's like, you have to admit that this has gone on, not just to your spouse, right? Who's mm-hmm. already admitted, but also to someone else. Yeah. Um, Let but, me say something about that. But it's, but it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. We always think that going to talk to somebody about these problems is hard. And I remember one time I had, there was a girl in my youth group who uh, she had some things weighing on her and she was like, I need to talk about them. And, and she's like, I just, I just don't know that I can. Uh, had another guy uh, in my last church had the kind of same thing. And I remember sitting in my office for an hour trying to, ju- I mean, he wasn't even talking. He made the appointment. And they just sat there in silence? Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, you got to let it out. And the whole time I know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like it just, there's only so many things it can't be. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it's like, <laughs> you're already prepped for whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's like, um, no one is ever going to tell me something that really probably shocks me. Uh, and it's like, man, we're all struggling. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, there is no, it's not like, man, you suck. Well, you're terrible. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. get it. What understand no shame, no guilt. Let's let's, let's fix it. Let's work together. I'm not looking down on you, judging you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, but people don't get that. I think even if, if it does shock you, right. Or it shocks me, then someone c- confesses some, some sin to me. It may be shocking for an instant, but my response, and I think your response, and any mature Christian's response, is not going to be, "Hey, that's really gross. You got to get it together. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone else what you just told me." Right. And it shouldn't be. And it, and this sucks. But if they do respond that way, you should probably tell someone else that's going to react more maturely. Yeah. Um. But I think more often than not, what's going to happen is they're going to look at you and they're going to be like, "That was really brave. Yeah. That was really noble. That was really honorable." That was really biblical, what you just did. And the first thing I always do is remind them of the gospel. Yeah. It says... Confess you know, your sins and you're forgiven. It says in James, you know, it's like confess and confess your sins and pray for one another yeah. and you will be healed. Yeah. Right? It's like, so So it's like, hey, you just took the first step of healing, mm-hmm. right? It's the, it's the jab of the shot, yeah. right? It's the most painful part. Mm-hmm. But then the medicine can go can, go, can yeah. go in and go yeah. to work and, and you can be healed yeah. of your sin. And so uh, to, to, the, to both people that wrote in, uh, it's like confess your sins and, and pray and you will be healed. And so the healing will start mm-hmm. when you're confessing and walking in the light and walking yeah. in accountability with, yeah. with some wise counsel. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I think the last thing for me is just to, to quote Tim Keller. Uh, he was, he, this quote comes from, he's talking about the lineage of Jesus and all the misfits mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a prostitute in his family. <clears throat> there's a, there's a King who commits adultery and murders mm-hmm. somebody to cover it up. Uh, there's uh, someone who pretends to be a prostitute to sleep with her brother-in-law, uh, um, her father-in-law, her father-in-law, um, and, and then gets married to him eventually. 
Uh, there's like a little, a lot of crazy people, a lot of, a lot of big sin kind of stuff in Jesus' family. And Tim Keller says, what does that mean other than God is trying to say to all of us, you know, by using these people to bring Jesus, mm-hmm. that I love redeeming the worst situations. I love redeeming the hardest cases. Go ahead and try me. And so to the, to the person who is, is wondering, can, I, can this marriage be salvaged? There is nothing God wants to do more than to salvage and redeem a broken marriage because yeah. that communicates the gospel. Yeah. And that is going to, I mean, that reverberates out and speaks to a lot of people and mm-hmm. can heal and help and save other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, go ahead, try them. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Well, uh, thanks for joining us for the recap this week. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can always go to myfellowship.church. Thanks for listening. Be blessed.